Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning online. We're glad you're with us as well. Um, just one bit, we're going to start a new series um, next week. Today's the last week in this series, Sacred Rhythms. We're going to start a new series next week called Mirage, um, Resisting the Allure of Illusion. Um, there's good news in the gospel, um, but there are also a lot of counterfeit um, things that, that draw our attention away from God. And so we're going to kind of talk about some of those illusions over the next several weeks. Um, and so I'd really love for you to be here and be a part of that series with us. Um, as Burke said, this has been a really tough week as a church family. Um, I was just kind of looking around. We were singing Hymn of Heaven and just kind of catching some glimpses of, of people who have just lost loved ones. Um, and it's one of those things where there is so much grief in these moments but at the same time, there's so much hope, right? And we don't grieve as the rest of the world does because of a hope that we have in Christ. And, and to you who have lost, um, lost someone here recently, we just want you to know as a church, family, shepherds, and, and staff that we love you and we are praying for you and we would love to serve and help you in any way that we possibly can. Um, so... The other part of this past week, um, our elders, deacons, and ministers spent a little bit of time in a retreat setting. We were here actually on campus, but um, a great, great weekend um, to kind of share and, and look at ministry and things that are happening. And, and I just, I walked away just so encouraged with the excitement that this group of leaders have in what's going on at Shiloh right now, and the energy and the life in this church, and I'm um, just grateful to be a part of all of it. So like I said, we're going to wrap up this series today, Sacred Rhythms, and if you're just kind of jumping in on the end, um, you can go back on our website and you can catch those series, but a rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern. A strong, regular, repeated pattern. And these rhythms that we've been talking about, real quickly, um, sitting in the Word, prayer, gather together, Sabbath, solitude, silence. Kyle, great job last week talking about serving others. And then today we're going to talk about generosity. And I always love to talk about generosity in church because everyone's like, all right, preacher boy, you just want us to give money to the church. But, but just real quickly, that is not even close to what we're talking about today when we talk about generosity. Do I think, I think you need to be a part of a local church. I think you need to give to that local church. I think you need to be a part of what the kingdom is doing. But what we're talking about when we talk about a rhythm of generosity is so much more foundational than just being able to give some money and, and supporting a, a church and, and helping ministry happen. It's so much deeper. And the reason it's so much deeper is because it flows out of the life of God and the, the life of God's people, right? And, and the thing is with generosity is generosity was foundational, not, not just with the church, but it was foundational in the very beginning in the story of creation. I want you to listen to as God creates man, Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. 
the very first thing that God does is give to us. In His creation, He gives us His image. He creates us in His image. He gives us and places it within us. And there's this really important principle that I think carries throughout Scripture and throughout our lives. God loves, so God gives. God loves, so God gives. And right after He's created man, right after He's given our, His image to us, says this, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. So He gives His image to mankind and then He gives mankind food. Then just a bit later in Genesis 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. He gives him a place to live and dwell with him um, in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So he gives him a place to live. He gives him a purpose. He gives him boundaries. But the beauty of it is he gives humanity the opportunity to contribute to the flourishing of this creation. Now, here, here understand this. God does not need my help for creation to flourish. He does not need your help for creation to flourish. He is all-powerful. He can do whatever He wants. But the beauty is He invites you into this story and invites you to be a contributor, to be a part of what He is doing in this world. He does not put creation in motion, and then say, hey, y'all just stay back. I've got this. In fact, it's almost the opposite. He puts creation in motion and says, now you go and serve and help it to flourish and contribute and give to it. He gives us the gift of giving. That we get to be a part of something bigger. There was a story I was reading uh, recently about a, a rabbi. He's passed away now. His name was Jonathan Sachs. And he talks about his father's life growing up in Poland under the regime of the Nazi, Nazi Germany and all of the persecution. And they fled from Poland to Britain. And so because of all of this, his father stopped working at the age of 14, or stopped going to school at the age of 14, had to start helping around the house, um, earning a living, making money to contribute to the family. But every day, every Sabbath, him and his family would go to synagogue. They said on the way back, we would be walking through the streets, and he would have all these questions, these theological questions for his father. And his father would say, well, well son, unfortunately, I'm not educated, and I don't really have the answer to those questions. But one day, you will be educated. And you will be able to answer those questions for me. You will be able to help me. 
And Sachs says this, the greatest gift a parent can give a child is the dignity of being able to give to them. Because as a parent, there's not really much your child can give you that you can't get on your own. But it takes an incredible amount of humility on the part of the parent to say, no, I'm going to allow my child the dignity to give to me, even though there's nothing they can really give me that I don't already have or can't already get. And I think that's the beauty and the dignity of what God does for us. He allows us to be a part of it. And I think we miss so much of the beauty of that creation narrative. right? Because in that creation narrative, the, the goodness of God overflows from Him into His creation. And the hope is that His goodness that is overflowing from Him into us would overflow out of our life to bless the rest of this creation. That it wouldn't be God is going to bless you so that you would be blessed. But God is going to bless you and His goodness is going to flow to you so that it can in turn flow out of you. So that you can be a blessing to this world. In the Old Testament, the way that was supposed to work was from something called a sacrifice. That you would offer a sacrifice. And, and sacrifices, my guess, is started pretty simply and easily. Way before God ever commanded that you offer a sacrifice. My guess is it started with some cavemen. And they're being pursued by a lion. Maybe a T-Rex. I don't know. And there's a group of them hiding behind a rock. As this tiger is creeping up on them and pursuing them. And they're in this huddle, they make a decision. Well, you know, Earl, um, he doesn't really take care of himself, and he doesn't run real fast. So um, on the count of three, we're going to turn and run, and Earl's going to be our sacrifice. And there's really not much Earl can do about it, because you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to be faster than the slowest. And so they all turn and run, and there's the sacrifice. There's Earl. Poor, poor Earl. <laughs> Earl had to die. Sorry. That, I think there's a song or something there. <laughs> um, but, but there was a sacrifice. And, and I think this mentality developed over the, the time because people would offer these sacrifices. They there, there was a farmer who goes out and he, um, he plants his crop. And the sun comes out. And the rain comes. And he has this beautiful, abundant crop. And he thinks, man, this is, this is amazing. But then the problem is next year, he plants the crop. And maybe the sun comes out, but it doesn't rain. And so he starts to think, well, what, what's wrong? Why isn't it raining? Why, is, why are the gods not blessing me and blessing my crop? Well, what if I offer them a sacrifice? 
What if I give something to the gods so that they will be pleased with me? So that they will bless me? And I think this mentality started to develop. And I I would say that it continues even to today. That we're going to offer this sacrifice, this gift, so that God will be pleased with us. So that God will love us. So that God will embrace us. So that God will save us. Because if we do this and if God is pleased with us, then He will take care of us. And so when God comes along and says, I want you to offer these sacrifices, I think humanity missed the heart of it. It wasn't, I want you to do this so that I will love you. Right, because generosity and those get, that giving of gift, that grace of giving, that does not flow out of this, I need you to do this to take care of me. It flows out of a life that says, God, I am so incredibly thankful. And I think the sacrifice was this tangible way that people could see and touch and hold on to, to say, God, I am so incredibly grateful for what you are doing for me, and I cannot help but give to you. I cannot help but give to you because I love you. And I think we miss the heart of, I think the people of Israel miss the heart behind it. I think they miss the heart behind it in a lot of things. But especially when we talk about sacrifice. I think that's why God says things like this in Amos. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. Um, For God so loved... Never mind, we'll get there in a minute. I thought there was one more of that Amos. But he says, get away with that. Not not because they were doing it, but because the heart behind it. It was because of why they were doing it. It was because of how they were doing it. It wasn't something that flowed out of their life is this passionate love for their Creator. Has there ever been a gift that you've given someone that you could not wait to give them? I was trying to think back through some of those things I've given my wife or given my kids. And I think what's really interesting is the more time, energy, effort that it takes for me to come up with and get and put together that gift the more excited I am to give it. The more of myself I've put into it. The more committed I am to it. And I think that's why God is such an incredibly gracious giver. Because He puts so much into us, so much of Himself into us. 
that He passionately loves you. And the hope is that goodness would flow through Him and into you and through you into the rest of this world. Generosity would just be a part of who you are just like it is a part of who God is. Because it's this image that He has placed in you. And I think it, it culminates in, in this statement that John makes. And we just, we just had it up here. John 3.16. One, one that you probably have heard so many times, but God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves so God gives. God loves so God gives. And the reason that I say that generosity is so foundational to our life is because there is never a time that you are more like God than when you give. So through this series, we've kind of been doing the sermon in two parts. And the first part really is more theological, and the second part is more kind of practical, practicing. Um, and I'll just confess, like with generosity, it's really tough to figure out how do you practice that. So I'm just going to give you my Venmo account, and um, you can be generous all you want. No, um, I do want to spend just a few moments kind of with the practical. How do, how do we practice and live this out in our, our life? One of the things that, that I know is our kids are a reflection of us, right? I got a text, my wife, I say, my wife got a text this last week from one of Kaylee's teachers. Um, and it was very, very sweet. Um, the other kids, y'all need to pick it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it said, my group is working at a table and back solving word problems. It asked about rocks. A kid says, I would throw the rock at this boy who's always mean to me. And Kaylee says, God wouldn't want you to do that. He wants you to be kind to people who treat you bad. You can applaud me as a parent if you want. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, no. I mean, it, it, it's, it's so sweet. I mean, it, yes, but we, we see that, like, and we see things our kids do, and it's like, man, that's me, when, it, when it's really good. Um, when it's really bad, it's like, you see what your child did? <laughs> you, know, you know what your son did? Um, but kids... A reflection of their parents. And I think that was God's hope, right? When, when He says, I'm going to give my image to you, that was His hope. That people would see God through your life. As He gathers this group of people together, starting with a guy named Abram, and says, you're going to go leave everything you know um, he says that your people, you're, you're going to represent me in a way that you can bless them. Like, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless them. And right before he gives them this law, he tells them, you're going to be this kingdom of priests. You're going to represent. The, the world is going to know what I am like because of you. I mean, that's what a priest is. It represents God to the people they serve. It was to be this living, breathing embodiment 
of what God is like in this world. And I think so many times we ask the question, well, God, where are you in all of this? Or, or maybe the biggest question, God, how could you allow this to happen? Right? When we see poverty, when we see people hurting, when we see people who are lonely, God, how could you allow this to happen? And I think that's when God looks back at us as His people and says to us, wait, I've given you my image. I've given you my likeness. I've given you the resources that you need to take care of it. And I wonder if as churches, if we were as generous as God was with us, what a difference it would make in the world. And I think the problem is we see so many people that are hurting, and we see this world that's just beyond, it seems, the scope of our ability to do anything with an effect and change. And we think, well, I can't help everybody, so I'm not going to help anybody. But just because you can't help everybody doesn't mean you help no one. Fairness is not a prerequisite for generosity. Fairness is not a prerequisite for generosity. This, this statement came, I heard Andy Stanley say one time, and it's just always stuck with me. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just because you can't help everybody doesn't mean you help nobody. And I think right there, I think that is the way we live out Corinthians. Henry read this morning. Awesome, awesome job, Henry. Thank you for reading for us. But in Corinthians... Paul says this, and we'll, we'll look real quickly again. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a, be, um, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Um, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. And I think as we give that grace, as we give to people, we are the embodiment of God in this world. It is that generosity that God has given His goodness to us flows out of us. We represent Him in this world. And so this, this, how I kind of want to end this morning with this is, who is your one? Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. My guess is there's someone in your life that needs something. And it might be financial. But it might be someone who's lonely who needs a friend. Someone who's mourning, who just needs someone to sit with them. Not say a word. 
but just to be there. Maybe it's someone who needs help finding a job. Maybe it's parents who are just super crazy busy and need someone to help with their kids. As Marshall said, maybe the one is a group of three-year-olds. And Marshall, if they pay attention to your stories, I have a lot to learn from you. But do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because as these rhythms grow in our life, what I promise you will happen is the intimacy that you feel with God, the connection you feel with God, will grow in you. And so many people I hear today say, well, I, just, I feel like God is distant. I feel like I'm struggling in my relationship with Him. If these rhythms, these strong, regular, repeated patterns will become part of your life, I promise you, the intimacy and the connection that you feel to God will grow. Father, today we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you so much for your grace that is given to us. We thank you so much that that love that was given flows through us and into this world. Father, may we represent you well in this world. May people see your likeness in your people. We thank you so much for that gift. And we thank you so much to allow us to give back. Not because we have to, not because it will save us, not because you will love us more, but God, because we're incredibly grateful to you. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Hey, our shepherds and ministers are going to be in the back of the auditorium. If we could help you with anything, um, we would love to do that. We would love to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, you could do that today. But whatever we could do, um, you can go there while we stand and sing.